0: I'm going to read from verse 13, just a few verses with verse 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message, shout what message, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place, shout the place, the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Shout amen. 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 Before you see it, God bless this time. You know, I'm just simply broken flesh, fully inadequate. But pour out your spirit, work a miracle, and bring a word, a teaching that will literally impact and transform all of us at the level of our hearts and mind, including the one teaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I'm excited to see all of you here, especially on Labor Day weekend. We're starting a brand new series, which we have called Legacy. Living a life that will outlive you. The big idea we want to begin to tackle today really is shaped around a question. What does it mean for me to make my mark in life? Or to ask it another way, uh, how do I go about the process of making a mark in life that actually has meaning and that actually outlives me? That's the question. Now, keep your mind there, and let me just tell you a quick story. About two thousand six, there was a movie came out uh, called *Stranger Than Fiction*. Some of you may be familiar with it. Uh, Will Ferrell was in this movie, and it's about a guy who uh, woke up uh, suddenly hearing this voice in his head narrating his life. So he's so, and it, and it's 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 the the the. the reflection of it is that he ends up uh, that he's inside of a narrative a story that is unfolding and this voice is actually narrating what he's going to do even before he does it she obviously shakes him up he goes to sit talk to a psychiatrist he begins to share with the psychiatrist what's going on and he's asking for her advice and she says well obviously you're schizophrenic and uh, I'm going to recommend some medication he said no 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 I, I, I'm not I'm not these the voice that I'm hearing is not telling me to do anything as a matter of fact it's describing accurately what I'm gonna do before I do it and 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 it's essentially saying to me that my life is in a, is, a, is a part of a bigger story and it's about to come to an end and it's narrating for me and it's it's on and it's off and these, these other parts of the story that I'm not really familiar with I'm trying to figure out how to how to get these other parts so I can really understand it before I, my life comes to an end I just want to know can you help me she says I can help you I have medication for that <laughs> he says no he's look 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 just pretend with me for a moment he said just pretend. What if it's just possible for me to be inside of a larger narrative, a larger story, and that there are other parts of the story that I need to figure out? What advice would you give me in that setting? She thought for a moment, exasperated. She finally said, My advice is you need medication. <laughs> so, it turns out, by the end of the movie, actually he was inside of this unfolding narrative. And that was the unique thing, stranger than fiction. I thought it was a great story to tell, because part of what it means to make a mark that is lasting and meaningful is for you and I to realize that life is about more than just my story. That in fact, we are a part, or at least we're called to be a part, Of a larger story a larger narrative now let's look at Joshua in this particular text that we read chapter 5 Joshua has just assumed the leadership responsibilities for the nation of Israel he's the second leader he's following a legend Moses so you can imagine his mindset even as he approaches this angel that's in the road preparing to lead Israel into its first major battle against the city of Jericho. Now, I'm sure part of his mindset, following Moses, Moses of all people, I mean, just think if you had to follow Moses, I mean, Moses, I mean, the guy who parted the Red Sea, Moses, he's following Moses, his mindset, I'm sure, it's like, how how am I going to make my mark? I mean, like, I'm not Moses. And to really understand his mindset, you really have to go back to chapter one of Joshua and and see God's call on Joshua. And just let me read a few verses for you from chapter one. Verse one says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses my servant is dead therefore the time has come for you to lead these people the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I've given them it's time for you to do it everybody say you I promise you what I promised Moses wherever you set foot you will be on the land I have given you verse 5 no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live for I will be with you as I was with Moses I will not fail you or abandon you. But at this moment, you can imagine Joshua is really tripping out. He's like, are you kidding? I mean, that's Moses. This is me. That's Moses. I'm like an assistant. Are you really? And so God has to say to him in verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. And, and, and you know, you can see Joshua's like, nah, I'm not really buying this. So God has to say it again. No, no, listen to me. Be strong and and very courageous, and then he talks. Then God says, "Obey the law and the teaching." And then, and but, but then you can see Joshua is just like, no, 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 big difference between me and Moses. And then verse nine, God has to say it again. This is my commandment. In other words, God's kind of getting a little upset when you listen, man. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you, watch this, wherever you, what? You go. But what is God saying? God is saying, Joshua, (laughs) you're thinking about how in the world can I make a mark over against Moses' life? Well, Joshua, here's the point. I have marked your life. That's what God is saying. I've put a mark on your life. Now, let me just talk to you about What a mark is, uh, just for a few moments. Actually, the origins of the word comes out of uh, an ancient context where uh, back in the day when you were, if you were uh, in archery, shooting and arrows, there would be a target. And if you hit the target, they would say, you made your what? Mark made your mark as a matter of fact the greek word for sin is actually the opposite of this actually uh the greek word for sin says is it actually translates missing the mark now you step back largely here's here's a here's a thought for you to consider as we think about our legacy here's a thought uh it's it's possible for us to live an entire life and at the end of our living figure out that our living has missed the mark we've missed the very target upon the reason why we were on the planet in the first place we've we've, we've missed living into the very purpose that God had us to be born. lived a whole life and missed the mark. that's one way to think about this notion of mark. there's another way to think about this notion of mark too it's uh, really this and my 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 grand uncle was here he would he could really talk about this he only had a third grade education and uh, not a very good third grade education and and he came out of the era that if you couldn't read and write you could at least make your what make your mark and people had different marks that they would make you know that that would be unique for them And so, if you brought some property or something of that nature and you couldn't really write, but you could make your mark. And your mark would designate that the property belongs to you. And if anybody forgot that the property belonged to you, you could simply show them your mark. And your mark would remind them, everybody say remember, it would remind them that the property was yours. Well, that's one of the questions of legacy, isn't it? Isn't is more of a question of the legacy? Is that long after I'm gone, who will remember me? And what will they remember about me? Significant. So, what's unique here is that what God is saying to Joshua is Joshua, I put my mark on Moses. And Just as I put my mark on Moses and pull them into my story. I'm putting my mark on You and that was hard for Joshua to hear just as it is hard for some of you to hear that God has marked your life first point well, Why is that hard? There's two basic reasons why it's difficult for us to hear that God has marked our lives one of them is that we are into the habit of comparing our stories. And we compare our stories to other folks' stories. For example, I'm sure that part of why God had to keep saying to Joshua, "Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. Come on, I'm with you." Is because Joshua was comparing his story to Moses' story. Now, of course, Joshua could easily see that God had marked Moses' life, and many of us, if not all of us, can easily see other lives of people that we would say, "Oh yeah, God has marked that life." Yeah, God, God, has, God has put his, his favor on that life. God has targeted that life to be used in a unique and powerful way in the world. It's just not me. Now, part of that is we're comparing. I suspect here's how Joshua compared. You know, if you look at who Moses was, Joshua would say it was easy to determine that Moses, God's mark was on Moses' life from the very beginning. In Exodus chapter 1, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All those books in a row, they really lay out Moses' life. You want to read for yourself. Uh, And in Exodus chapter 1, the first couple of verses, we learn a couple of things that's unique about Moses' life at birth. First of all, we learn that Moses' parents both come from the tribe of Levi. And if you come out of the tribe of Levi, if you're reading in in its historical context, you would immediately know this is special because the tribe of Levi was the priestly tribe. This was the set aside tribe. This was the holy of holy tribe. That was his parents. And then, by the time you get to the end of verse two, you'll discover that his mother recognized that there was something unique and special about him, unlike the other kids. And by the way, the boys between the eight, from two years old down was being killed by Pharaoh to control the population. So the mother says, oh, no, I've got to somehow preserve. She puts him in a basket, puts him on the river. You already begin to see God's hand at work in Moses' life, even as a baby. And if Joshua's thinking about that, he gets it. And then the the basket floats down the river and, and, and floats to where Pharaoh's daughter is swimming. And she sees it, plucks it out of the river, adopts Moses, this Hebrew child, as her own child. And so Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house. Which means that he's now in line at some point, potentially to become Pharaoh. And so they prepare him. So Moses gets the best education. He probably speaks multiple languages. He's trained in military uh, art. He's trained in governance. Uh, and so, so Joshua is thinking, man, when you look at Moses, no wonder he was, you could use him, God, to, 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 to do remarkable things like write the law the Jewish law for the people and put structure in place and no wonder you could use him I I, I see Charleston Heston right now you see Charleston Heston (laughs) no wonder you could use him to to part the Red Sea no wonder you could use him mightily to lead the people for 40 years in the wilderness water coming out of rocks manna coming from the bread from, from, from heaven defeating our enemies I mean look at that's Moses but Joshua said, "But check me out," said, "You know, my daddy that that denotes him in the verse one of Joshua chapter one it says Joshua is the son of Nun. Well, what kind of lineage does Joshua's daddy, Nun? <laughs> the answer is." Compare that to being born out of the Leviticus tribe. And, then, and, and, and Joshua said, look, I'm born in slavery. I grew up in slavery. I was raised in a slave house. I worked in slave labor camps. I, went, I got a slave education. I mean, I, mean that, 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 I didn't grow up in Pharaoh's house. I didn't get the best of education. Look at, I see how you can use Moses, but you really can't use me. I mean, at the end of the day, I was Moses' assistant. And God, I just need to remind you, there's a big difference between being the assistant to the president and being the president. Big difference. Big difference. Isn't that us? I mean, aren't there people here of all ages and all cultural and various contexts that you have never considered that God has a mark on your life? And the reason why you haven't considered that God has a mark on your life is that you're comparing your story to the stories of others. I mean, you're comparing your stories from a religious standpoint. You say, well, look, I'm not as holy. You know, I didn't come from the tribe of Levi. You know, I came out of a drinking family, you know, and my, my folk were fighting all day long. Listen, listen, I know he doesn't have a mark on my life. Somebody say, I was drunk last night. Come on, somebody say that. <laughs> I mean, I don't. He can certainly not have a mark on my life. I'm a single mom I'm a divorcee I, I, I have disabilities I'm I'm in a wheelchair I, I have learning disabilities I'm not cute enough I'm not tall enough I, 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 I don't have enough education I live in East Palo Alto for God's sake you know he can't have a mark on my life I didn't go to Harvard I dropped out of high school I broke up somebody's family he can't have a mark on my life well let me help you if you go to ephesians chapter 1 paul puts it in context it tells you about how god marked your life in chapter 1 verse 4 here's what it says it says it says before god made the earth he loved us and chose us in christ to be holy and without fault not talking about your mama's eyes. In his eyes. Wow. Now I want you to say this with me, but we're going to personalize it. So I want you to repeat it the way I'm going to say it now. Come on. Come on. Say it. Before God made the earth, say it. Before God. He loved me. He loved me and chose me, and chose me in Christ, in Christ to, be holy to be holy. And without fault. And without fault. In his eyes. God has a mark on your life. If you're sitting here today, if you're listening by video, it means God has a mark. on. He has marked you out to be a part of his larger story. And your circumstances, your sins, your mistakes, whatever you consider to be your inadequacies cannot change the fact. As a matter of fact, he's already factored it in. So part of why we don't understand that God has a mark on our life is because we compare our stories. The other reason we don't understand that God has a mark on our life is because we focus too much on just our story. Now, for example, I just gave you some negative examples. There are folks among us who God can't have a mark on my life. I don't live as though God has a mark on my life because, you know, because of all these examples I've just worked through. On the other hand, you think about God did not have a mark because of what I don't have. On the other hand, there are those of us who live our lives as though God doesn't have a mark on our lives based on what I have. On the positive side of things, things that are going right. I mean, at the end of the day, you were just born Good looking. You've been brilliant all your life. And yes, you've worked hard. I mean, look at all the degrees that you got on your wall. I mean, the car you drive, come on, nobody gave you that car. You earned that car. Come on, and, and, and you graduate from some of the best schools, and, and you're leading this extraordinary company. You're working in education. You're, 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 you're amassing all of the fame and all of the influence. And you're looking at yourself, and you're looking back at your life, and you're saying, my goodness, look at all I've accomplished. Look, 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 I'm smart. I'm cute. I mean, that's why the door's opening, you know, because I'm just cute. They can't help themselves. I mean, you know, uh, look at me. Look at my story. I I, I am the shaper of my story. I'm here where I am because of me, my hard work. Now, I don't want to take anything away from your hard work. Your hard work has a lot to do. God uses your hard work. But at the end of the day, you're not where you are simply because of your hard work. You're where you are for all the things you can't control. That is God in the making, right? I mean, I, mean, I mean, who gave you those brains? How is it that you were born in that family that you were born in and not perhaps in the jungles of El Salvador? How is it that you didn't weren't born in the middle of war and torn apart? Uh, How is it that your DNA has worked in such a way that it's giving you the kinds of genius uh, thinking that you have? How is it that these opportunities you have have come your way but didn't come some other people's way? I'm trying to get you to understand that yeah, you, you may have worked well but God's grace has a lot to do with where you are. And God's grace is another sign that he has a mark on your life. And your accomplishments are simply signs that God has shaped you for his story. But you live your life totally oblivious to the fact that you were born for another story. It's time for you to hear a voice narrating the story now I want to illustrate this to you because I think it's worth it focus too much on your story let me bring this out here so you you probably still won't see it but just (laughs) follow the motions (laughs) all right so I'm gonna draw a big square big square can y'all see that? <laughs> kind of, sort of, square. All right. <laughs> this is Joshua inside of here. This represents Joshua's story, right? Joshua is fighting with God because Joshua's focused on his story. And he's comparing himself to Moses. And he's thinking about his story inside of his context. And of course, above that is slavery, right? He was born raised. He's a a product of slavery. But what he doesn't realize is that he's still part of a bigger story. And that beginning with Abraham in Genesis 12, God declared, I have made you a part of a chosen people. Come on now. And so he's he's really a part of a chosen people. Now watch this. Oh, what happened with this, this chosen people that's supposed to multiply the earth and supposed to reflect the glory of God? Well, the slavery thing, well, that's an, that's an interruption to God's plan. That's actually a Disruption and many of us have had interruptions and disruptions in our lives abuse and and all kinds of other forms of things that have disrupted the course that God has had for our lives and has caused us to believe that God doesn't have anything to do with my life that's where they were for 400 plus years in slavery but I'm here to tell you that just because you've had a long disruption does not mean that God's purpose for your life has been aborted just hang on in there, come on now God God is always at work so part of what Joshua had to understand was that his history his story transcended slavery and then what he needed to understand was that after him he didn't know this but we know this now because we got all the biblical text that after him came the judges and after them came uh, the kings and after them came the prophets and after them all the way down and somewhere over there came Jesus and when you put the whole thing together, Joshua is just focused on his story. Come on now. But God is saying, No, I'm trying to pull you into my story. Stop just focusing on the details of your story. What does this have to do with God? All right now this gets to where we're about to get now is uh this part i'm about to really get excited i haven't been excited but i'm getting excited i'm getting excited this this is really good this is really good i couldn't wait to get here all right now back to this chapter five joshua buys the idea god has a mark on his life God has called him in to a bigger story. He's 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 he said yes, and so now he's he's probably late at night, or early in the morning. He's scouting out Jericho, pretty much on his own. How are we gonna do this? Take this city, impenetrable walls. He's walking, and the, and the text says he looks up. Everybody say looks up, and there's an angel. Clearly, he's an angel. He's referred to it as a man, but it's clearly an angel because he's. Big enough that he's got to look up. So he's probably hovering a little bit over the earth there. And he's got a sword drawn. Because Joshua, you you, you, you got to realize, because Joshua knows that God has a mark on his life, he doesn't freak out. A- anybody else would have went the other way. But now Joshua, he says he walks up to the guy. He realizes that there's something divine going on. And he asks this very unique question. Here's his question. Are you for us or for the enemy all right in the Hebrew the answer is a unique answer in the Hebrew the answer is no (laughs) doesn't seem to quite square with the question but part of what the application of it is what what the angels gonna demonstrate is Joshua has asked the wrong question now before I get to the right question let me just lay this out it reflects how we interact with God every day see it's not so much that we want to be God's servant it's we want God to serve us it's not that we're trying to figure out what God's agenda is so that we can be a part of God's agenda it's that we want God to bless our agenda so we ask certain questions. We're in a political context, so let me just go there for a moment. Is God Republican or Democrat? Who, who, who is he for, right? That's, a, that's what text takes. Now, who is he for? Is he for Trump or is he for Hillary? Maybe he's Green Party. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've thought about this since I've watched certain sports. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a big Warrior fan, right? And so sometimes I'm sitting down watching. I'm really rooting. And every now and then I'm wondering this. Who's God for? I mean, does it really matter? I mean, you know, I walked in the barbershop shop the other day, man, and and and, uh, and there's football, it's preseason football, you know. I sat down, and they got the football on on the TV, and I just said, I said out loud, I said, "Well, who's playing?" And and the guy who's a big Dallas fan said, "America's team." <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, "America," I said, "The Warriors." <laughs> Uh, uh, the point being we're always trying to pull God is God evangelical, is God liberal, is God progressive, is God conservative we're trying to pull God into our boxes but the angel said no he said I am the commander of the armies of God just arrived here's his point I'm not here to attend to your agenda. I'm here to attend to God's agenda. And and, 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 and in that moment, you see, so here's here's the wrong question. The wrong question is, God, are you on my side? Here's the right question. Am I on God's side? See, Republicans can be on God's side. Democrats can be on God's side. Come on, uh, uh, liberals and conservatives. You know, you know the question is, uh, uh, am I, uh, do I buy this notion that I'm here to serve God yes. above? And the angel said, I'm on God's side. That doesn't mean that God is not working for you, of course. But the larger truth is, God has called us to serve him. Not him serve us. So. Hits in the face. With that truth. The text says Joshua. Falls. Head face onto the ground. And then he asked a question. That is transformative. Here's the question. He says. He says. He says. He says tell me what is the message that the Lord my Lord has for his servant that fall represents a surrender if I shall surrender And at that very moment, what Joshua said is, I'm sorry, I had slipped back into my story, you know, because that's what we do. Even though those of us are faithful, I think we slip back into our story. He says, I'm sorry, I had slipped back, but I'm surrendering my story, my fears, my concerns, my circumstance. I'm surrendering it, and I'm making it subordinate to God's story. Now we understand what Jesus meant when he says, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 36, when Jesus says, and you watch this, you to put it up here, watch this. He says, uh, 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 then he called the crowd to him, whoever wants to be my follower, that's what disciple me, must deny themselves, their stories, take up their cross, get my story, and follow who? Me. Next verse, watch this. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now, substitute life for story. Because that's what we're talking about. This synonyms the, 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 the sentiments. Story life. That's what we're talking about. All right, read, read the text again. For whoever wants to save their story will lose it. I'm talking about my legacy here. But whoever loses their story for... Me, meaning my story, me and the gospel, that's Christ's story, will save it. Make a mark. That will be everlasting. Everybody say, make a mark. mark. I'm calling to. So what, what, so he says, tell me. So this is the question you ought to ask throughout the day. Lord, what's your message to me? I'm your servant. If you're writing anything down, write this. This is the question you should be asking throughout the day Lord, what's your message to me? Why? Because of, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Here's that. And the answer is pull off your sandals. Because the place, everybody say place, the place where you're standing is holy. You mean all those thistles and thorns and all of that? Holy? yes what made it holy well the presence of the divine what made it holy the realization that what was going on in that place was god's story all right here's my point god's story shows up all over the place and the moment you realize that in the place where you are, come on, I'm a single mom, but if I decide that I'm going to serve God, that's holy. That's that's a holy place right there. Come on now, I, I, I I'm a senior, I'm seventy five, going seventy eight. Everybody tell me that life is over, but 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 if I decide that God still got story at work, come on, that's a holy place. Come on, I I'm in the hospital and I'm taking on treatment, uh, but 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 if I if I if I realize that God's redemptive story works. Even in the hospital, y'all, ain't left. I'm asking myself, God, I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? And, and taking my treatment, I discover I'm in a holy place. I'm in high school, but I just realized I'm pursuing God's story. And I'm asking God every day, how do you want to use my life? And suddenly my classroom has become a holy place. Come on, I, you, you see the point. once wherever you realize and subordinate your story to God's watch this then the very place that you're at becomes holy because it's filled with God God activity God blessing is that interesting Wow. now here's how it ends and I'll be finished for today. <laughs> I love this. Chapter one, Joshua. Let's describe a little something for you. Here's the answer to the question How do I make a mark that's meaningful and lasting? I realize that God has a mark on me. I commit to being his servant. And I every day I live into his story so that when I die that they're not just talking about my story but they're talking about my story as a part y'all ain't listening of God's story all right now here's what happens to Moses thousands of years since Moses died some of you don't know that Moses messed up big time before he died big time lost his temper he always had a trouble with temper. lost his temper and, and as a result of it, he had to deal with the consequences. God said, you know what? You've been, you've been good, but I'm not going to let you go in the promised land. You can see it, but I'm going to let Joshua's going to lead him through. Uh, that's your, you can't, I'm not going to let you do it. That's a pretty big mess up. Everybody say mess up. And I don't know how long he lives after that, but then he dies. Here's how God remembers him. Listen, verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, look at that, look at that description. What does it say? The Lord's, the Lord's servant. The Lord spoke to Joshua. Look how Joshua is described in this early meeting. He simply described as the son of none. Moses is assistant. That's all we described him as. He said, here's how God describes Moses. Moses, my servant, is thee. Y'all, that's what I want him to say about me. When it's all over, I want somebody to say, "Herman, God's servant is there that's the biggest thing i remember about my grand-aunt and grand-uncle they tried to give me a lot they didn't have any money to give me but but the biggest thing they gave me was what i remember most about them they weren't perfect moses wasn't perfect but at the end of the day his trajectory his life was focused on living out god's story being god's servant and at the end of the day i remember the most about my grand they were servants of god the legacy that they gave me was that I live my life trying to be a servant of God. I mean, you can be a servant of God in your corporate affairs. You can be a servant of God as a teacher. You can be a servant of God in the cafeteria worker. I mean, at the end of the day, are you a servant? You are if you're regularly asking the question, God, what's your... What do you want me to do? How can I serve you? All right. Now, does Joshua get the lesson? Well, I don't know. Let's see what happens when he dies. Go to the last chapter, chapter 24. In Chapter 24 of Joshua. Is it up there? Throw it up there. Verse 29. Here's what it says about him. After this, Joshua, son of Nun, watch it. What does it say? Die that is thousands of years later his mark still lasts because it is a part of a greater story and he's known as a servant of God and at the end of the day it doesn't matter who remembers you as long as God remembers you and if God remembers you as his servant Oh, there's one more very exciting thing there and I'm finished I'm, I'm finished but I just got to tell you this one more thing look at this Joshua son of none who's none? well by the time Joshua changes none is elevated because in the previous before all we knew was he was just the son of Joshua nobody knew none what history did he have none But now, whenever you read it, it says the son of none, or rather none, the father of the servant of the Lord. Oh, he's just been elevated. Do you see what I'm trying to get you to see? See, once you make a decision that I'm going to be a servant of God, you, re- you, 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 you drive redemption backwards into your past. Come on now. You transform how the narrative of your life ends. And no matter how broken your parents might have been, if you end up a servant of God, you make them better. Y'all ain't listening. Come on now. You make them better. you drive redemption backwards and you bless forward all you have to do is decide I'm gonna be a servant of God come on give God a hand praise that's it on your connection card you may be watching you still have a decision to make if you're watching my video you hear your decision may be you know what I need to cast my life with Jesus I want to become a part of his story I didn't realize he has a mark on me I just need to surrender to it and so to surrender means I'm signing up for Jesus and you just should check that on your card oh I'm ready to be baptized check that oh you know what where the place where I stand this holy ground that my very place the placement in life which includes here and so you know what I'm gonna volunteer because I'm gonna practice being a servant of God here on Sundays I'm gonna practice it in the hospitality. I'm gonna practice it parking cars. I'm gonna practice it greeting people with love. I wanna practice it. And so you're gonna check volunteers and sign me up. I wanna, I wanna sign up as a servant of God. But under the response to the message, here's what I want you to really consider. And remember, Moses wasn't perfect, he messed up big time. And at the end of the day, God still says, He's my servant. So it's not about perfection, is it? It's about faithfulness. It's about trajectory of your life. It's about your commitment of your heart. And so here's a commitment I'm, I'm challenging you to make under the response to the message. I'm challenging you to simply write this. I will be a servant of God. And come back next week and I'm going to tell you how God will dismiss shame from your life to help you to become just that. God bless you.